0: Blog Talk Radio. in between. Live from Los Angeles, California, welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. With your host, Shaw McCain. Hey
1: everybody, this is Shaw McCain, your host for the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show was created to provide an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow The Paranormal is Sacred on Facebook for upcoming events and special speakers from around the world. We're very proud to say we're translating to many different languages for our listeners outside the country. They sent me notes in their language, and thank goodness for the Google Translator, because I can translate their messages, Words are positive, and I'm very proud of it. So welcome to everybody, wherever you are. The call-in number tonight is 619-924-9744. And The Paranormal sacred air Sacred airs every Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. During the show, I can take questions in order in chat, and you may call in with your questions and speak with our special guest. Any buzzkillers in chat or on the phone, I'm going to sound nice, but I will come and get you and call you and bug you. So don't bug me, and I won't bug you. So be polite and play nice. Um, I just have a couple of little announcements, of, you know, the experiencers speak. It's coming up August 28th twenty 29th in Maine, and our East Coast peeps are going to be over there speaking. So uh, get ready. Uh, all the information is on Facebook, and if you want more information, just let me know. But I'm also going to have some of the people there uh, running that show uh, to come in uh, more towards August and tell us about what's going on over there. And I just want to remind you, that you can go ahead and contact Gary Bobrov if you're still interested in the Jungian um, archetypical nature uh, information that he has going. And he's got webinars and all kinds of stuff on the interesting topic of Carl Jung, synchronicity, the uh, feminism, mystique, all kinds of stuff. Anyway, uh, let's see. Go to www.archetypalnature.com to find out what Gary's doing. And if you have any announcements you want me to make make on the show live, just let me know, okay? So tonight our guest is uh, Richard Sennett. And Mr. Sennett was born in Los Angeles, California, and he's the oldest son of uh, Leonard and Sylvia Sennett. And his father worked for MGM Studios along with his brothers and his father on such classic films as The Wizard of Oz. In 1953, the family moved from Venice, California to Thousand Oaks where they bought land And in 1963. Uh, Mr. Leonard retired, and the family moved to a coastal community of Ventura, pretty over there. And there Richard attended Ventura High School, Ventura Community College, where he earned his AA, and then he went to Long Beach uh, University and got his BA. And he is also working on another degree in archaeology and has so many interesting things that he does. And uh, he's attended field school at the Old Spanish Mission of San Antonio de Pauda near King City, California. And uh, he had some, uh, he was out there investigating when he had a very strange uh, incident where he actually saw a ghost, a figure of a monk. And then this became the encounter that turned his whole life around. And uh, he wanted to discover where uh, ghosts were and how they walked the earth. And then he became one of the pioneer ghost hunters in the West. And And it is a career that has taken him to hundreds of haunted sites in the United States and England. And he appeared on many radio and TV programs over the years and has published 18 books. He's recognized authority on the subject of the paranormal, and he met his wife, Debbie Christensen in 1983. Together, I can't believe she did this with him, but they're still there together, togetherness anyway. Together, they investigated a number of important sites, including the Whaley House in San Diego. Boy, there's a lot of interesting things going on down there. They were married in the Haunted Church, 19. They were married in a haunted 1888 church, and they have three kids and today four granddaughters. And now they're they're still in venture, where uh, Mr. Sennett conducts investigations, writes books, articles, and conducts tour of haunted sites in the community. Anyway, he also writes novels in the classic steampunk style. And his most current, The Flight of Hercules, can be found on Lulu.com. And his most recent ghost book, Silver Ghosts, with... Sandy LeMay, is about the places investigation in northern Nevada. It, too, can be found on com, And he also has uh, several new projects coming that he hopes to get done by fall. So let me look for Mr. Seth. I see him. So welcome uh, aboard, everybody. I see everybody in uh, chat. I want to welcome you. And uh, hold on one second. Hi, yeah, Mr. Seth. So you're going live. Hi. You're going live with the Paranormal and the Sacred. Good. How are you today?
2: Good. Oh, I'm just fine.
1: Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, you know, reading over your story and looking at your life, uh, you have a very fascinating life. And uh, uh, you're a very brave man to go where a lot of people don't dare to go.
2: Well, I try to. It's not bravery as much as kind of, a, I suppose, a, um, uh, I'm a adrenaline um, a junkie. I mean, yeah. going and hunting ghost really is a, a great rush. It's a bit like riding a roller coaster. So it's uh, as I always say: it's hours of boredom and tedium with 15 minutes of terror. And I live yeah. for those 15 minutes.
1: Yeah, I was wondering. Um, I don't do. Do you find that ghosts perform at will, or uh, how does it start out? To, you know, how do you find the place, and then what do you do once you get in there?
2: Well, that's a very simple part. In fact, ghosts are rather common. They are not found in just remote Victorian decaying mansions on a hill. They are, in fact, found all over everywhere, businesses, uh, uh, institutions, former jails, former prisons, mental asylums, theaters, almost every theater where they do live productions, is haunted. And why, I don't know. So finding them is not that hard, But every haunted site is different. And I believe the subject of ghosts is a very complex one. It's not simply spirits of the dead returning, walking like zombies on the earth. There's more to it than that. In fact, I think that there is not one answer for this riddle, but actually several.
1: Wow, interesting. So you got interested because you had your own personal experience. Can you tell us about that? In fact,
2: all the great ghost hunters started this way. Something happened in their life, something so profound they couldn't ignore it. And that's what happened to me back in the summer of 1978. I was part of an archaeological team. That was one of my my minors in college was archaeology and anthropology. And I was staying at one of the old Spanish missions, uh, San Antonio de Padua, near King City. And late one night, I closed up the lab. I guess it was about 12.30, 12.20 And I walked into the courtyard, and I saw a figure with a candle. Now, as I drew closer, I could see it was a monk, which did not scare me, because at that time, the mission was still a monastery, and so monks were common there. I thought, oh, one of the brothers is up. Maybe I could talk to him. Well, as I got closer, uh, I was catching up. He was walking in one direction. I was trying to catch up with him. And then all of a sudden, at about, oh, I guess, 10 feet from the figure, it just abruptly vanished away. It just wasn't there anymore. And I had to stand there with my mouth open trying to figure out what happened. He didn't run away. Uh, He looked very real. He didn't fade away. He didn't glow. He didn't beam up like Star Trek. He just was not there and then it slowly dawned on me that this must be one of those ghosts they talk about. And, by the way, it scared me. That's why I got scared. Yeah. By the way, you'll find that true about a lot of people. They're not actually frightened when they see a ghost. It's only afterwards, while it's all over with, do they become scared. And
0: uh, well, when I asked
1: you see them to who... go ahead. Well, when you see well, them, they look real. You don't know what you're looking at. It's only later you realize yeah, it could be possible, yeah.
2: I Even today, in my mind's eye, I can see exactly what it looked like down to the folds of the garment, the shadows that was cast uh, by the candle. And so it looked very real, and then all of a sudden it just wasn't there. And my question is, where did it go? Uh, if it disappeared, where did it go to? Um, which brings me to a, a lot of different theories about what ghosts might be. One theory is that ghosts can skip through time. So maybe on that Tuesday, as I was, saw him and walked up to it, he jumped into Friday. So according to his perspective, I disappeared But because I can't jump through time like he could, he disappeared to me. But he was in the same physical space. He's still in that same courtyard, walking through the courtyard. It's just that I, of course, was uh, several days behind him. So I think time may be an element in ghosts uh, and their behavior, something that I think needs to be further investigated.
1: Yeah, that sounds reasonable because – I have been uh, deep in thought about that. At times, that uh, their life goes on and keeps going on. and comes back every day, and it seems to be in in a time, but their time. Like people yeah, are I seeing Roman soldiers I... come. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like well, people are York seeing. Ro- <laughs> We're going to keep you talk because I'll I'll keep interrupting you because we really want to hear from you. So <laughs> keep going, sir. <laughs>
2: It's kind of hard with the kind of delay factor, but you're right. York, England, they saw Roman soldiers uh, in modern times, and they were even walking, uh, only their knees were exposed because they were walking on a road which had been buried centuries before. So these things happen. People have seen ghostly Romans in Rome. It could be that they're somehow skipping through time. Now, that also My theory is it accounts for that great poltergeist phenomenon of the port. You hear this a lot if you're in the business. People will lay down a pair of keys in their home, put it in the same spot every day on the mantle of the fireplace. Then they get up one morning and the keys are gone. And they search the whole house and they talk to people. Who moved the keys? What have you? And then about a week later they find them, back on the mantle of the uh, uh, fireplace where they had been. So I think this is what happens. A ghost picks them up, goes forward in time, and then puts them down again. And it's in that interim that you're running around trying to find these lost items, even though they really haven't moved much at all.
1: They're just in another time so you yeah. can't see it's it's at the moment. A, it's
2: a theory. And we have a lot of theories of ghost hunting, but very few facts.
1: Do you find that, well, like the Roman soldiers have been marching for thousands of years, and then the, let's say, the Gettysburg, uh, soldiers at Gettysburg, uh, they've been seen by people vacationing, just doing their drills, when they haven't existed in a couple hundred years. Um, How do you... How long do you think a ghost would last? Is it
2: Well, an English uh, parapsychologist uh believes that ghosts have a lifespan of about four hundred years. That's his theory. They start out very strong, then they get weaker and weaker until they fade out. But what about these accounts of Romans and stuff like that? Obviously that's far older. I think they're skipping through time. So they have fifty years But if you stretch that out, if they're jumping every hundred years, like uh, uh, that uh, Scottish town in the play, you know, uh, guacamole or something like that, no, you've got that kind of effect going on. So you have a 50-year period, but because they're skipping through time, they've got that. I've also believed that there are places on planet Earth, which are what I call a psychic vortex, There's atmospheric, magnetic, natural reasons why certain areas enhance psychic ability. I think one of those psychic vortexes can be found in Gettysburg, uh, in Pennsylvania, and that might account for why so many people have had bizarre, weird things happen. Another place where I believe there's a psychic vortex is uh, the French palace outside of Paris at Versailles because many people over the years have seen images from the um, uh, 18th century. People actually saw Marie Antoinette there. And, uh, of course, she she was decapitated a long, long time ago. But I Mm -hmm. think that that is another psychic vortex. And there are other places around the globe that happen. I'd love to go to Versailles, try a few experiments there, but uh, unfortunately nobody has gotten me a airline ticket to France lately. And uh, uh, it's a lot of fun things. I talked to a guy; he's a photographer, and he told me this rather unique account. He was at Versailles, the great palace, all better stores, beautiful. And he's a photographer, so he's taking pictures. And he came up to this one room. and there was a little rope saying, do not enter. But he wanted a picture. He tried getting it by leaning over the bar, and finally he just got upset. So when no one was around, he took the rope down and went into the room to get his picture. And before he could snap the picture, he felt a pain on his back. And he looked up, and there was a soldier with a, a tricorn hat, and a uniform and he was sticking him in the back with a bayonet or a musket and uh the man in front said i'm sorry you're not allowed in here so he quickly apologized and went back where he should have been and he thought boy they take their security seriously around here and um he asked later on there were no one in costume there was no security officers on duty um he actually had met a security guard from the spirit world. And uh, so uh, that's a great place. I'd love to investigate more.
1: It sounds so interesting. And I think there's going to be a time where uh, we're going to discover that there's a scientific basis for what's happening because we have just uh, for years and years and years you know had it like it's just spooky and it's a ghost and all this other stuff but I think that uh, it could be just life expressing itself at a quantum level and maybe things like we heard a long time ago that nothing ever really disappears fully and maybe that's where it goes too that people are kind of like in uh, I don't know some limbo zone where they exist and they seem to react to uh, some to me don't seem to react at all and then other ones seem to notice that there's people there
2: I agree with you 100% I think when we get down to the basis of the nature of ghosts we're going to actually delve into the very uh, origins of reality itself it's a very complicated issue and I don't think there's one answer now some ghosts do appear to be just like all the stories, uh spirits of the dead who for one reason or another come back. A lot of a lot of people have had these sorts of experiences. Uh but then some don't. Some appear to be projections of the mind or uh maybe images from past events, uh some kind of, kinda of like a time warp or something like that. So there's probably not one answer to it. At least that's what I've come across, and there's more to this of very simple statements like, Oh, it's demons, or it's spirits of the dead, or it's all this, it's all that. Uh, there's more to it. It has to be a complex uh, situation about the nature uh, of the real world as we know it. It's more here than we imagine.
1: Well that's true because just because we don't see something doesn't I mean it isn't there. I mean we can't see atoms and electrons and all that but of course it's there. But there's a statement you made that people uh asking for proof of definitive proof that ghosts are real and your answer was that excuse me that not photos readings or even videotape uh, or any kind of taping all of these can be fake today but you said that you believe the best proof is the transference of information. I thought that was really fantastic. That was a good point. Well, that's point. true.
2: You don't know something, and a ghost gives you the information, and then you find out that that information is true. That's the best evidence we have for the continuation of some sort of consciousness after death, and i found dozens of examples, both ancient in the record books and modern, and things in my own life which seem to confirm that um, that statement. So I think the transference of information, because nowadays, heck, you can make dinosaurs come to life. Abraham Lincoln can be uh, photoshopped. I mean, a picture which once was proof is no longer proof. A videotape They can be manipulated very easily with uh, pixels and uh, double exposures. Even uh, someone without a lot of background can fake up a great video. Um, So that day is gone. The day, if we can get information, one of the best kinds of ghosts, and I've investigated a few cases of every ghost hunter has, uh, is the crisis apparition. That is where someone you love and care about dies in a tragic way. And you get an image of them at pretty much that same time kind of bidding you goodbye. And then you learn that they're dead, and the death may have happened half a world away. Wars bring this out a lot, and all the great wars have had them. Uh, I have interviewed a lady in Long Beach, California, and during World War II, she had a boyfriend in the Navy, young man. He was a young woman at that time. And uh, she met him at a USO dance, and they saw each other. He went off to the Pacific War, and his uh, she uh, didn't hear from him. She got one letter, I think, was mailed out of Pearl Harbor. It was heavily censored. And she got that, and then late one night, oh, months later, she got awoken out of a sound sleep, stood up in bed, and there was a figure of her boyfriend. And he was he was like trying to talk to her, but she couldn't hear her voice. And then he disappeared, and she just knew he was dead. And it was weeks later that they found out that his uh, ship, a destroyer, had been hit by a Japanese suicide plane, and he was killed. Uh, one of many of the people on the ship who lost their lives in combat. And so, how could she have known? How could she have gotten the right date? How could I even ask her, did you often have dreams like this, premonitions of his demise? said, No, I only had that one. But the odds of that are just too great to have been chance. I even interviewed her sister to make sure that she didn't perhaps imagine it and somehow put the two together uh, wrongly. But she confirmed everything her sister said. And if you look at the record, lots and lots of people have had similar things like that happen to them.
1: Oh, yes. Um you know, that's happened to me throughout my life. I think some people have sort of like a little gift or a little what they say shine or whatever. You know, it's happened to me throughout my life that's uh I have you know, I don't have never gone looking for the dead or gone in intention only to only only to uh what's his name's mansion up in Hollywood in in the hills, uh Houdini's. That's the Houdini's only one mansion. I actually went yeah, before they tore the whole thing down, but I did go up there with my high school uh, best friend, and uh it was terrifying going in there and uh it was magnificent to see I've never seen a fireplace take up a whole huge like castle wall, but that's what it looked like in there I mean, they called it Houdini's castle and it did look like a castle inside, but it was you know it was so into decrepitude and everything but I could hear movement behind me, and it turned out there was a bunch of college guys in the back of me. But it scared me, so I ran screaming out of there. And they I ran. I never seen men run screaming before, but they did. It was hilarious. That's my only adventure. Well, I know what you mean.
2: It's uh, all of us have what I call that Scooby-Doo moment
0: yeah. where we all take <laughs> off. Uh, I've had that
2: happen. We were at a haunted bridge. Uh, up uh, in a little town called Ojai, and a, a terrible accident had uh, had happened there. Mm-hmm. And it was ghosts, supposedly, on the bridge. And I was with a whole team of people. I guess it was like 25 people, most of them psychic. We were there about 2 o'clock in the morning, and there appeared to be like a bit of mist, like a, a little cloud that was coming down the center of the the road like right in the center line, coming right towards us. So I said, the ghost is coming, you know, and I'm talking away. I've got my flashlight in my hand and I turned around and everyone was gone. They all took off and then I looked back <laughs> and the thing was getting closer and closer, so I took off too. <laughs> and, but we all have moments
1: like that i'd love to have a do that because it's just so because you know uh when it's happening you're actually you feel like you've got a jet propulsion uh, propellant bombing behind you <laughs> pushing you along because you're scared out of your wits i mean you're you're fast but uh i would love to have a picture with something like that because it's hilarious to me because later you feel like a fool you know but i'm just glad i went up there because you know the place no longer exists but they still say well, Houdini's still at the stairs uh, near the curb in front of the place.
2: It might well be. He spent a lot of time there before his untimely death back in yeah. 1926. Um, it, I've spent a lot of time in Hollywood, and I've managed to get into some of the old mansions, which are almost as haunted as the country houses of England. And every Major studio. Barnum, every major studio uh, is haunted. But they don't like to talk about it because the studios are giant factories to make money. And unfortunately, they depend upon actors. And actors tend to be very superstitious. So yeah. rather than imp- uh, impede their ability to make money, they just squelch a lot of the ghost stories. Only a few studios actually own up the fact that they do have haunts uh walking their sound stages and back lots.
1: Yeah, uh you're absolutely right. And, uh have you ever been on Magic Castle in Hollywood?
2: Oh I have kind of a bad connection. What was that again?
1: Oh have you been up to the Magic Castle in Hollywood?
2: Yes, I have, as a matter of fact, years and years ago. That freaks me
1: out.
2: Well, it is rumored to be haunted by a real ghost, not just a phony ghost or the piano player and such. But uh, I talked to a guy who was there when he had a power failure, and uh, he heard the piano playing uh, downstairs, which, of course, is impossible because it's an electric unit. And there was no electricity that night. So there are stories of that place being haunted. But you know, almost any old house that's had any kind of life in it has ghosts. It's just part of the thing. And now it's kind of a a theatrical place. As I mentioned, all theaters are haunted where they do legitimate performances, of course. So I would tend to think that performances and magicians and all have left an energy behind. So when they go home and they turn the lights off, part of them continues on. The play continues uh, to be performed. Um, but I don't know the exact reasons for it, but I do believe that you you can't find me a theater where they do legitimate productions. It's been around a while, you know, 10, 15 years at least, that doesn't have a ghost. I don't think you can. You can't do
1: it. Wow. We have a question, Valerie. Edwin Decker. Uh, he's the author of ha- uh, "Haunted" and uh, "The Haunting." I'm sorry, Ed. I'm getting it wrong. Uh, my my memory is really bad right now. Anyway, uh, anyway, he wants to know: uh, Have do you feel uh, any uh, dangers in hunting ghosts? And then. Uh, 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 another question was uh, is there danger of bringing these things back with you and I want to know how do you protect yourself from that
2: well first when I first got into this I thought there's no danger ghosts have just about as much um, material presence as a puff of smoke so for nine years I labored under the delusion that ghosts were harmless I later found out, much to my chagrin, I was wrong. Are real, legitimate dangers in ghost hunting? And I came across something that was evil and dark and defied everything I had learned up to that point. And it caused me to rethink a lot of what I do. And, um, yes, I do believe there are evil things out there. But the good news is they're very rare. That's not common. But there's enough negatives out there uh, to make me pause. Now, how can you spot a negative entity? For one, they tend to be dark. They don't look like a person. They're almost like a shadow. Uh, And they're so dark, they're darker than a dark room. So they're just Mm -hmm. like a silhouette. Outline. Also, they're cold, and whenever you get around one of these things, you're just filled with fear. They almost seem to deliberately want to harm you, cause you to run and trip, fall downstairs. They want you to have an accident. Fortunately, as I say, there are very few of them, but there are enough out there for, to make me pause, and I see a lot of kids getting involved in ghost hunting. They don't know what they're doing. They watch a few TV shows, and they figure, oh, I can do that. I'll get a, a K2 meter or a, a flashlight, and I'm in business. And no, most of the time it's okay. Most of what you're going to get isn't going to be harmful. But if you get something negative, it can be one of the scariest things you've ever experienced in your life. And after dabbling in that, many of those who come away I think um, uh, drop ghost hunting. Some I know one lady who had a group, uh, and she became a born again Christian and refused to deal with the occult anymore. So that kind of stuff happens. Also, there's a negative side. I don't know how many people have suffered. Breakdowns have ended up in, uh, uh, you know, asylums over this kind of stuff. It can be uh, uh, really shattering. So it's not all uh, uh, Casper the Friendly Ghost. It's in fact there's some negative stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. They're not all negative. As they say, we're talking about one, two, maybe three percent of ghosts out there of this negative category. In fact, I always tell people I am far more afraid of living people than I have the dead. Mm. I would much rather have a ghost in my house than a burglar or something like that, a serial killer or something like that. So these things do exist out there, and there are real concrete dangers in ghost hunting.
1: Yeah, there's a there's a couple of of uh stories that really terrify me because the other ones I just avoid, you know, haunted places or I have lived in many haunted houses and um you know, we've made it through I've had a lot of incidents and stuff like that, but um the one a couple of things that truly uh terrify me is the one the the movie The Entity was based on. It was based do you remember uh for heard she uh, played the one that was uh, being attacked by uh, this entity. Do you remember this story? You do. Oh,
2: I knew. Uh, I, I heard about it from uh, Doctor Barry Taft himself. That's right. Um, so, yeah, I've known he some was of the, the people
1: involved in
2: Yeah, it's. Um, so I was. didn't believe it. I thought, oh, it was all the lady's imagination. There, she's got some kind of screw loose. That's it until I had a case myself and a lady was actually haunted by a ghost lover who would physically attack her. And what sold me on the case was her son heard her thrashing about in bed with this thing, went into the room, and he said that something pushed him, actually threw him across the room and pinned him to the wall. And he said his feet were maybe six inches above the floor, you know, held there until he fell down. And that tells me there was something going on. And that particular lady, we had a long time. She'd gone to psychiatrists. She'd gone. They just gave her pills, mask whatever was going on. But she went to all kinds of people. I was like a last resort. And um, we finally got to the bottom of it and were able to get rid of whatever it was. Uh, And that was mostly through the fact that she was a devout Roman Catholic, and uh, Mm -hmm. I used the power of the church uh, to help her get rid of whatever that was. I still, for the love of money, don't know if it was poltergeist-related, even though in many ways it behaved like a poltergeist, if it was some kind of sexual entity like a um, Mm -hmm. elemental or something like that or maybe a spirit of some kind I don't know but because I was able to help the woman that's about the best um, outcome that I could arrive at but before that I didn't believe such things were possible but having encountered it I now confirm that really these things do happen
1: yeah, um, when you were uh, speaking, well, I've I've actually heard Barry Taff talk about it too. He was at a conference and uh, we uh, we I mean we put, we were hosting him as our guest and uh, in here in California, and uh, he was talking about her, but he said that it was like substance abuse and uh, stuff like that. But I always felt kind of mortified by that case because. I feel like she was a real victim, and um, what is is your take on on that kind of thing? Because she didn't end up well Well, either. I have great no, it did not
2: end up well. But cases like that are found throughout the literature of the paranormal. A lot of nuns in the Middle Ages were hit by such things, and some of the things that. um, I read about that were tried in the Middle Ages. Uh, We tried all that with this poor lady, and oddly enough, some of those procedures actually did seem to work. But I think it worked because she was a devout Roman Catholic, and she believed it worked. And I think there's a link between the living and whatever entity this is, whatever force it is. And if you could break that link, And I convinced the lady that by doing these rituals or using these symbols, she could get rid of it. And um, that was enough for her to break the link, and it never came back. But whether or not that was it, or maybe the saints do help, I don't know. Um, I do know that the proof is in the pudding, and this case did end well.
1: Yeah, very good. You know, We're happy to hear that. You know, and I think that there, there may be a lot of victims of this, but there's so many people that fake it too that you have to really sift through uh, a lot of what's going on. So, uh, do you feel that you just uh, how how do you go in uh, thinking about each case? Are you skeptical going in, or you try to keep an open mind? How do you approach each case?
2: Well, first you have to keep an open mind. Anyone who goes there presupposing anything is doing it wrong, be it for or against a spiritual explanation. Um, you have to be open-minded. You have to take the evidence and follow it wherever it goes. In a lot of ways, being a ghost hunter is a lot like being a detective. You have to sort out the data. or for instance, here's a case. Like a guy up in Newhall, California, who came to me and he was desperate. Is a large overweight man, and he said that ghosts, there were three spirits that would poke him at night and haunt him and cause him nothing but mischief. And finally, I went up to his home, um, which, by the way, was pretty awful. He was a pig. <laughs> I mean, he never cleaned oh, yeah. his house. And um, I went, brought psychics in. I brought equipment. You know what we got? Nothing. I later told him to go to the doctor and go for a uh, checkup and when they did they found he had a brain tumor it was a tumor in his brain and when they removed it all the ghosts all the apparitions all of that vanished so there were no ghosts but he was had this pressure in his brain which was causing mm-hmm. these hallucinations that he assumed that there were ghosts And he even told me don't tell me i'm crazy i'm not crazy and he wasn't crazy But he did have this medical condition, which, when taken care of, it ended the problem he had with his so-called ghost, which, of course, were the demons out of his own mind.
1: Well, I I believe that there's many different reasons why these things happen. And uh, Mm -hmm. some things are, like you said, for our instruction, like the crisis operation, that they show up to tell us something. I've had that happen a few times in a profound way. You know, then other ones, I think they belong to the place. And then I also uh, believe that other things are, you know, the the things that we're at, at war with. You know what I mean? There's like evil yes, things that much. are separate from the other things. What's your thoughts on that?
2: I believe that there are, as I say, many forces in the world and uh, a lot of addiction problems uh, come from uh spirits who passed over who are still addicted i 've actually had many cases where i 've investigated, and the behind it there is a person who has addiction to drugs or alcohol who seem to i don 't know come back still trying to get high, still trying to go to their old places. There was a house I investigated. And they, I even I asked them. they saw this young man appear. He was bothering the whole household. And I asked them, well, where am I going to start? And he had gone to a swap meet and bought a large, almost life-size statue of a conquistador, all made out of plaster. And as soon as they put the statue in the house, in their living room, they'd see this figure. So I said, get rid of the statue. And Mm -hmm. when they moved it, they found it had a compartment in it filled with little packets of white powder. And they called the police who took it away. And once they got rid of the statue, all the problems ended. And I believe it was a stash of some person who died of a drug overdose. And um, he was trying to come back to get his his medication or his uh, illegal medication to get high just one more time. Many bars are haunted. I think it's people who died and still want to come back and get high or maybe vicariously get it from the living. Whatever it is, I think drug addiction and alcoholism may well be the cause of some, not all, but some hauntings.
1: I totally agree with you. I have had a uh Native American friends you know friends that I went to school with, and we had talked about this subject because uh, I was going to school to get my uh degree in addiction uh recovery stuff and all that and uh counselor anyway uh I was talking to uh this Native American gentleman, and uh oddly enough, we had a lot in common uh, my my background is being Greek and he's Native American, but we had a lot of commonalities and then he said you know, we really identify with the Greeks. I went, yeah, it's weird, because we're talking about kind of like the same things, uh, about a lot of things. But anyway, um, he said that there's the sacred circle that uh, they sit in and to pray and to talk and share and smoke. He said, but then when you have the spirits and he was talking about alcohol, he said there is a spirit, an evil spirit, and they have the unsacred circle to lose around. And when he told me that, it was stuck in my mind. It was so profound that uh, they do call alcohol spirit.
2: I do know that Native American people are very psychic, and I have, uh pleased to have several members of the local Native American tribe uh, as friends. I've gone to uh, sweat lodges with them, and I've seen some pretty amazing things. All of them seem to have this intuitiveness about them. Uh, to catch and pick up things uh, that are very psychic. So uh, I believe that's true. But then again, I'm Irish. You might say that's a tribe in itself. And uh, Irish (laughs) people tend to be not only good storytellers, but also they tend to be psychic. Yeah.
1: Oh, the stories out of Ireland. Oh, boy. That's amazing. So um, what would be... uh, When when you're preparing yourself and how you protect yourself, what what is your own practice?
2: Well, I use the white light. I have always used the white light. I surround myself with white light before I go into any case, and that's because again, we don't know what you're walking into. Most are okay, but occasionally I've gone to a few. There are negative forces out there, I've walked into them, and I've learned to regret it. But I usually use the white light as a form of protection. And um, fortunately, you know more good things out there than evil. And I think that um, you can protect yourself in a way that you won't have anything to worry about. But you've got to be careful. Uh, you're dealing. We're walking in an unknown world. And we don't know what's there. We're walking in the, like into a dark room. You don't know what you're going to trip over, so you have to be wary and take all the precautions you can.
0: Yeah, what about, uh,
1: cause do you have a pho- I think you have a photograph that you took. That uh, I don't. Do you still have it? That uh, does show something. One of these rare photographs that really show. Uh, some kind of spirit on in a, in a photo?
2: Oh, I've got a whole bunch. I've got a little album of ghost pictures. Some I've taken myself, and some uh, people have given to me. But I only take pictures where I know the person. I've got a lot of pictures. Some of them, I believe, are phony belonging. But um, I've gotten some, especially the ones I've taken. I know I haven't faked them. But something's there in the picture. The most compelling picture I have was from a lady I know, an uh, elderly lady. Her and her husband had a good uh, friends with a family in Mexico, in Guadalajara. And they would go down there. The, the man had some money. They would go down there and stay at Guadalajara in this guy's beautiful, almost palatial home. And unfortunately, the guy... Before they were about to take their summer trip to Mexico, he got sick and went to the doctor and was um, uh, said he had a problem with his acid reflex. So the guy gave him some uh, uh, stuff to take to get rid of the acid reflex, and the pain got worse and worse. Finally, he went back, and they found out he had misdiagnosed him, and it was actually pancreal cancer, and mm. the guy was dead in 30 days. Now, they didn't go to Mexico, but he told his wife on his deathbed, he said, well, you go to Mexico, see our friends, enjoy yourself, have some life, you know, I'm I'm dying, but, you know, I believe this is at the end. But he died, was buried, and his wife uh, followed her words to her husband and went down to Mexico. Now, they were in the garden of their home, a walled garden, and the husband took a picture of his wife and this woman in the garden in a swing, and when you look at the picture, there's someone standing behind them, a semi-transparent image. And when I blew it up, it looked almost identical to the picture of the the dead husband, even down to his mustache. And to for my money, that was one of the scariest pictures I ever acquired in my ghostly library.
1: Oh, amazing. Um, you know, with uh, the new technology we have, uh, there's a lot of things, photos and everything else. What do you think about the EVP uh, situation?
2: Oh, EVP. Now, first, well, I first heard about it. I didn't believe it. I thought, this is phony baloney. It's not right. I mean, anybody could do it, right? You're in a haunted place. You're by yourself. You have a tape recorder. You could just, uh, when nobody's looking, go, get out. Right.
1: It's easy. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, ah, it's all phony. Then I was doing an interview with a lady who had a haunted house. I have a set list of questions I ask, and I use tape recorder. Because I found that people, when they have ghost stories, they tend to talk very quickly. And I could never write it all down fast enough. So a reporter friend of mine said, well, just use a tape recorder like he does. And then transcribe it later. So I had a tape recorder, I was asking this question. I had this one question. It was, do you know the name of the ghost? And the lady thought for a moment and said, no. Now I went on to the next question. Later on, I had the tape, and I was transcribing it, typing it up. I had it on a machine. I had a headset on. I was turning the, the tape on and off, so as i hear a little and then type it up, then I'd turn it off, and then I'd hear it a little bit more and type it up. So I was going back and forth. I got to that point where I said, here's a question. Do you know the name of the ghost? I put Q number four. You know the name of the ghost. And there was another voice. It wasn't me. It wasn't her. There was nobody else in the house. And it said, Christopher. I go, wait, wait, wait wait a minute. Let me rewind that. I guess I rewound that about ten times, listening. It's clearly Christopher. And I thought, well, maybe it's a radio broadcast that someone had, uh, had picked up and somehow taped and I thought well wait a minute how could it have given me a name while I ask a question like that what do you know the name and it says Christopher I played it for the lady and she really freaked out so that's why I started to experiment myself with EVP and over the years I've gotten a number of responses it's not easy to do Uh, get good clear E V P not just little sounds right. which you can interpret. Uh type A is all I go for. Uh type B and C I just throw that away. Uh because it could be almost anything. You know, you, you give it to ten people and they give you ten different answers. So if it's clear, uh that's what I keep, and I have gotten it and that's the spookiest stuff you're ever gonna find. It is really spooky. And we did a seance at a house in Santa Paula, which had been used as a home for unwed mothers. And during the seance, I was taping the seance, and uh, the medium had gone to a trance. and so was giving answers from one of the midwives who worked there in the 1890s. And um, when I played the tape back, though we didn't hear it at the time, we heard the sound of babies crying on the tape, and it was the spookiest wow. stuff you could imagine and There was no babies crying, there was no cats, there was nothing that could have caused that uh so I have had that over and over again, matter of fact, while I did the Art Bell show, they actually had I gave him a copy of that uh tape, and he put it on his website that showed the babies crying. And I said, well, what do you think it is? Listen to it. Uh, but I've gotten other sounds as well. Most recently, I got the whimpering of a dog. And we had nine tape recorders. They all picked it up, yet we were there and heard nothing. It only comes back on playback. Uh, at another yeah. haunted hotel, I got an EVP which said, die, which I don't know what that is. Uh a statement of fact. I will die someday. I'm still alive now, but uh, is this a threat from the spirit world? I don't know. But EVP is some fun stuff, and it's got a lot of compelling evidence that this is coming from some source we don't know where. So I'm open-minded on it. Um, I've just been researching Sarah Estep. Who helped to found the American Association of Electronic Voice Phenomenon? Uh, she's passed away now, but her book on the Voices of the of Eternity was really a great help in my own seeking of uh, EVP information.
0: Well,
1: I feel like it's a it's an excellent uh, source. I'm glad that you had so many that got the same recording. I think that's awesome. You know, because that's like uh, evidence, and it's evidentiary uh, information that uh, is showing up in multiple places, which is, a, I think, a good f- fact-finding tool. You know, because you ha- could have mm-hmm. anomaly on one tape, but not on all of them. I mean, if something was wrong with uh, recording.
2: I have done that. I try to use multiple recorders. I had one seance, which I recorded. And I had one tape recorder by the window and one by the uh, in the center of the circle. And I got this beautiful E V P it was like a moan. Whoa so spooky you're scared. Sent a chill down my Mm -hmm. spine. Then I timed it with the one by the window and unfortunately Unfortunately, there was a motorcycle going by, going roar. So all it was was the sound of the motorcycle being twisted up uh, by the little small recorder on the table It was sounding like a moan. But unfortunately, we found a rational explanation for that particular one. But you've got to use multiple recorders on that. Uh, and it's... Um, it is some compelling information we're also getting stuff on videotape as well, which is pretty weird. I investigated a haunted um insane asylum, and I was there with the psychic and the psychic said he could call ghosts, so I had a camera and I was with the man who had the camera. you were walking all over the place. and we were following the psychic as he was bellowing out, "Come to me, come to me. oh." We got nothing out of that—no pictures, no ghosts, no nothing. I was kind of frustrated, but then at the end of the day, we looked looked at the videotape, and there was a point where he's bellowing in a part of the hospital, and we picked up a whistle on the tape recorder. Now I was standing next to the guy; there was nobody whistling. And I heard no sound, and I thought, well, it must be a fault of the camera. Must have been, you know, like some kind of problem with the little roller causing you know, a whistle effect. But then we listened to it, and it actually had a tune. It was this little song, and I figured if it's a an anomaly, it wouldn't come out as music. So it was pretty compelling evidence that there's stuff that can be picked up audio as well as videotape
1: What do you think about um people that go there okay we have a question from uh chat I think it's a comment uh do you use the new equipment or do you have like old favorites you deal with and uh what about the uh voice box uh I've heard about what she's talking about. Um, I don't know what the name of it is, though. Um, What kind of equipment do you use? Well,
2: we have a bad connection. Could you please repeat the question for me?
1: What kind of equipment do you use um, on your investigation?
2: Well, one of the best things is a thermocouple, which is like an electronic thermometer. That's a very handy for me the best tool i have is a k2 the k2 meter will uh, pick up all sorts of stuff in the static electrical and uh, as well as the electromagnetic field so those are two things i use plus i use a variety of digital tape recorders and recording devices Cameras, I use a variety of cameras to pick up things. Sometimes I get orbs, sometimes I don't. I have some other equipment. I have a, a genuine old e-meter, which has been very handy for me. I've caught some things with that, some things I haven't. I've also used an old uh, tool, a uh, cutting edge for 1980, called a Cyber Probe two. And the CyberProbe 2 is a uh, ghost hunting device, which I've had a lot of fun with and I've gotten some reactions from in the past. It served me very well. So those are the, some of the tools I, I use. Now, I know what you mean about cold spots. These, they can be up to 20 to 30 degrees colder in a small zone, usually about a foot and a half of diameter. They're usually cylindrical. So they they go up maybe to the ceiling. But I felt them and recorded them from time to time. But uh, they are, again, one of the anomalies that people have spotted in a haunted house. Now, orbs are a little more controversial. When you take pictures of things, many times orbs are caused by dust or moisture Or sometimes I think they're legitimately a paranormal event. One thing they do, if you get a picture of an orb, take it to your computer and blow it up, sometimes you can actually see a face within the orb.
1: Yes? Yes, sorry about that. Um, we have a little glitch on here for a moment. Uh, anyway, it's. Um, have you ever been on the Queen Mary and used any of that equipment, like the EVT yes, thing? Yes, I have.
2: In fact, I was on the Queen Mary back in the 80s, like 1982. And we did an exhaustive amount of work there for about two or three years. So we had some of our best seances we've ever had on the Queen. I even managed to work with Peter James once uh, on a TV shoot out there. But we've done uh, both uh, tours. We have conducted tours. We've had individual ghost hunts. We've had small ghost hunts. The queen never fails to impress. In fact, people ask me, I really want to see a ghost. Where should I go? And I always direct them to the Queen Mary. And I tell them, this is the prescription. Go to the queen, try to get a room on M deck if you can. It's got a lot of ghosts Mm -hmm. on that deck. And then go to bed and get up around 2 a.m. Because the best time to experience something on the queen is between the hours of 2 a.m. and 4.30 a.m. Then seeing a ghost is almost natural. You can almost imagine. I've had some of the weirdest stuff happen on that ship and seeing some weird things. I remember I was in one of the rooms. I don't believe it was on M deck. It was the deck below that. Uh, and my wife, who's a psychic, wakes me up and says, do you see her? I go, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> it's like about 3 a.m. in the morning. And I get up and they're sitting Across the room at a vanity is a woman, and I thought she was wearing like a slip. And I could very vaguely see her, and my wife starts to talk to her. Whatever it was turned, wow. uh, talked back. At least my, my wife said she heard her voice. I didn't. And she said that she, uh, that she had uh, been on the Queen Mary and had met her fiancé, uh, they were going to be married, but he was killed in the war. And she told him that um, uh, that she should move on. And then that the mm. ghost asked asked her, "Are you an angel?" And uh, so and she was going to call the steward and have her thrown out. The ghost was. I don't know if a ghost <laughs> steward would have came, but uh, she she said, "You can go now. He's waiting for you." Trevor, your lover, is waiting for you. And he says, you could go. And finally she disappeared. So we, I saw that. I saw the figure. And it looked like a woman with short hair and wearing a um, what I now know was an evening dress. It was not a slip, but an evening dress with some pearls around her neck. And she was getting ready to go to a dance on the Queen before World War Two, maybe 1936 or 32 uh, or something like that. And she had this uh, the happiest moments of her life where she met her fiancé, who was killed at Dunkirk. Uh, it was just a really fascinating – so we had that happen. The best seance we ever had in our lives was on the Queen Mary. Uh, my wife was uh, the medium. And this freaked me out. We had a whole group. and Now, we, do it in the, we don't it. do it in the dark. We have the lights on. We're holding hands. Very old school. She starts to speak Italian, which is amazing because she does not speak Italian. She speaks Swedish. She speaks mm. Russian. But she does not speak any Romance language, not French or Spanish or Italian or anything like that. She starts talking in Italian. So finally, it came down to a kind of pitch of English, and we learned that it was a pilot from World War II, an Italian
0: aviator
2: who died on the Queen Mary as a POW. He was captured by the British, and he was uh, in the Indian Ocean. And I read nothing about this, and I did find, though, with research, that there had been a voyage carrying Italian POWs from North Africa to Australia, across the Indian Ocean. And um, a lot of the Italian POWs died in the transit uh, across those very hot waters. There's no air conditioning on the Queen Mary. And uh, we got this whole account. We got his squadron number, his commander. He was talking all about his airplane, how much he loved it. It was a biplane, of all things. See why Italy lost the war. And uh, he got all this information, his company, his last mission, his family in Naples. Um, He was also, by the way, a devoted follower of Mussolini and a member of the fascist party. So he was just kind of, he thought Mussolini could do no wrong. And... uh, uh, later we taped all this because we taped all the sound mm-hmm. and I tried to research it and it got nowhere finally an English reporter was writing a story in which uh, he wrote for the tabloids and I said oh, I've tried this, got this weird stuff about an Italian fighter pilot here you try to find it and he called me back and everything the man said was accurate the names the dates the places He even found the family in Naples, and that became a big sensation. It was all over the tabloids, all over the world, um, published in magazines uh, throughout the planet, and uh, that was the very best seance we ever had. Now, I always wonder about that, but I think I know the reason, and the reason why we got so much information out of this Italian lieutenant was he was a pilot, and he loved to fly. And uh, my wife is also a pilot, and she too loves to fly. And I think they shared that commonality of flying. And uh, that's why so much of the conversation was about the their airplanes that, they, that he had. It was a, a CR-42 Falco, what's the name of it, and he, he mentioned the top speed and how he thought it was better than anything the English had. Of course, he got shot down, so maybe it wasn't that good. But uh, he really loved flying. But that seance on the Queen Mary was the best thing we have had to date.
1: Now, you've been married 30 years?
2: But another great thing about that was the English monk researched it. he actually found... Uh, confirmation to what we we uh, we had discovered in that sense. Now we've had other seances before, um, and we've had weird things happen. I'll tell you this: there are no two seances that are alike; they're all different. And we recently had one uh, at the at the um, Glen Tavern Inn at a paracon. And we had a lot of information, which later proved to be true, and information that uh, people have looked up. But again, it was at the Pasadena Playhouse, that old mm-hmm. theater, Drew Yeah, pretty theater. Old, that.
1: That we
2: got our most information. And that um, we were doing, again, another stance. The whole group was unknown to us. We didn't know anybody in the room. I'm My wife's a medium. I'm next to her. All of a sudden, in the seance, in the light, we're doing it in the light, my wife starts to do sign language. And, of course, she doesn't do sign language. And the guy across the table from us, he starts doing sign language. They're talking back back and forth with their fingers. And uh, finally, the guy is in tears. It seems that his mother and father were both deaf-mutes. The only way you could oh. talk to them was through finger spelling, finger
1: sign language, yes.
2: and um, they were killed in a tragic automobile accident. And so he was in tears because he wanted to say goodbye to them, and they passed away in the hospital before he could get there. And she said, "Well, they said goodbye to you through me." And that freaked me out more than anything else. And we had a lot of fun happen that night. But I know there's no way she could have cheated. I know she wasn't learning sign language for this. Now would she even know there was someone who had this experience? We had no way of knowing who they would invite. They kept that from us. So it was just a fascinating thing. And seances are always uh, strange affairs you could never tell
1: what's gonna happen. <laughs> well, I was gonna ask you about your wife, so she's a medium and that would kinda freak you out if uh
0: you Hopefully were with lost somebody in
1: contact, yeah. yeah. So you guys have been married uh since I don't know, the eighty early 80s? 30 years now. Thirty years, yeah. So congratulations and um you guys got married in a haunted church. And how right. and how is she rolling with you all these years with all this haunting and uh she go with you and
0: she is how like she,
1: my uh, right hand she's yeah, my, like my right
2: hand uh person uh she's the uh, uh really the yin to my yang and i was teaching a class 30 years ago actually it was like 34 years ago and um she walked in and told me She's psychic. I rolled my eyes because so many people came in and said they were psychic, and they weren't. And so I had developed a test for psychics or would-be psychics, and I could quickly weed out the real ones from the ones who were wannabe psychics. So I um I gave her the test, and it has five levels, and the, she passed the first level. Whoop, Instantly. Uh, But a lot of people do. So I tried her on the second level, and she passed that. Only a few managed to get through it. And the third level, almost nobody gets through. She got through it. And the fourth level came. She got through that. Only three people ever got that high. Finally, she passed the, the final fifth level. So I invited her out to a haunted house to see if she could pick up anything. Yes, she did. She just blew me away. She was able to pick names, everything. Later, research proved them to be accurate. Now, I know she couldn't have baked it. I didn't even tell her where we were going. She had no idea the address or anything. Now, I deliberately made sure even I didn't know. I knew some of the events, but I didn't know the history of the house because out of fear that she might be able to read my mind somehow. So I didn't know either. But this information came out, and then when I did research it after the fact, it was all accurate. So, of course, I invited her to another haunted house, another, another. And after a few years of spending the night in old, damp, uh, haunted houses, we got married. And um, uh, she was a Mormon, and I'm a Roman Catholic, so we had a spiritualist uh, marry us,
0: like okay. a friend of
2: mine, Reverend Ford who had a yeah. spiritualist church in Santa Barbara. And we were married in this eighteen eighty eight church which had ghosts in it. That's how I do about it. And so when we wanted to pick a place to get married, I had the contact who was able to set up the arrangements in this beautiful old church. And we had a a great time and we honeymooned and san francisco like my parents did we investigated a haunted hotel up there not the one we were staying in but another i went to alcatraz and had fun there so we have been together going all over from hawaii to nevada to arizona to new orleans which is like a disneyland for ghost hunters um and we have had great fun we even went to england and um we found we were quite well-known in England because of my English uh, tabloid writing friend. Uh, so we had all kinds of different experiences over there. So it has been a great time, Debbie and I. Of course, we have three children and now six grandchildren. A new one was born just the last month. And um, uh, it's always good to see them enter the world. And people said our marriage wouldn't last. <laughs> they were wrong. So You're we wrong. have uh, had a great relationship, a great time, and I wouldn't trade it for the world.
1: Well, she even does the the dress up steampunk with you, yes. which is really cool. Yes. They're saying Mazel Tov and chat. They're happy for you.
2: So Debbie and, and I uh, have gone all over uh, the world. Our, the time was in London. London's a great capital city. But, you know, any big city has ghosts in it. But a place like London, where all these people have been bleeding and dying there since Roman yeah,
1: times, we
2: had great fun at the power of London. Well, we tripped through the place and had experiences. That place lives up to its name. We went to Stonehenge. We even went to Hampton Court we actually had a paranormal event happen there but um now england if you get a chance do go there because would i would love to go back i, I want to see york and see the gatehouse where the roman soldiers were first reported i'd like to spend some time in ireland uh, i'm irish but i've never been there my ancestors hmm. left ireland in 1720 and for all I know, none of them have gone back, but I'd love to go back there and investigate haunted places. There's even a castle my ancestor owned, built, back a long, long, long time ago. It still stands. Unfortunately, some bloody Englishman's living in it right now. So maybe I ought to evict him.
1: <laughs>
0: and move in,
2: or at least maybe visit him and uh, find out yeah, more about gotta my go Irish back. roots. Uh, in the old sod, also a very ghost-written country.
1: You've got that, Texas, your uh, homeland, and with uh, oh, do you have the the uh, dwelling place still to... uh,
2: for me. Is anyone coming forward on the uh, system? I feel like I'm just talking to dead air.
1: No, they're all talking. I guess it's
2: appropriate, as we're talking yeah. about
0: ghosts and things no, we of have the a night. Lot of...
2: But there uh, no, are so many different things out there yet to be explored. Uh, I have not touched the uh, tip of the iceberg. You know what I'd like to explore would be Ford's Theater in uh, Washington, D.C., the place where Abraham Lincoln was shot. It's believed to yes. be haunted by the ghost of the assassin, John Wilkes Booth. I'd love to go there and investigate. I'd like to go to the Jumel mansion in new york investigate that place the stanley hotel even though it's just in colorado i have not had a chance to go out there and to explore that place i've even heard stories of ghosts at the alamo and i'd love to go check out uh their accounts of uh, uh you know the heroes who fell there who might still walk that place the civil war is another one of my great passions and uh, I'd love to go to to Gettysburg. I've almost gone a few times, but then something's always come up, and I've never been able to fulfill that dream. Doing research, I found that one of my ancestors fell at uh, Gettysburg on the second day. Remarkably, he was wearing Union blue. My wife had an ancestor who fell on the second day as well, but he, of course, was from North Carolina, Uh, He was a Confederate, so maybe they shot each other. I don't know. Uh, But Gettysburg wanted to go. I'd like to go to Vicksburg. I'd love to go and and see Shiloh. I hear that's a very haunted spot. Some of the battlefields around uh, Atlanta I'd like to tour, as well as Chattanooga. And some of the places like Petersburg, where my direct ancestor was wounded, at the Battle of the Crater. So all of these sites are still in the future. Of course, I'd still like to go back to Europe. I'd really like to see Russia. I did communicate with a number of parapsychologists in Russia, and uh, got some really interesting stories of ghosts in the Kremlin, and in Moscow itself, and St. Petersburg. I'd love to go there and and uh, investigate that place. A lot of ghosts in Japan. I'd love to go and investigate Kyoto and Australia, uh, uh, many haunted sites out there, especially in uh, Tasmania. It was, uh, kind of it was a petal colony prison, which is haunted. So I still have all of these on the bucket list, if you will, of places I'd like to look into. That maybe they will help answer some of the questions about what ghosts are and why they're there.
1: Yeah, and uh, this is you know the hello? ghosts. We're we're not with the human. let's tell You can't hear I me. I have a bad connection. I can't hear you. Well, Can you you're hear coming. Me? Yeah, you're coming through very clear.
2: Uh, is everybody there? Yes,
1: yeah, so you're coming your through notes? very clear.
2: Oh, hello. Oddly enough, I'm not coming through very clear on my side.
1: Yeah, you're coming through. You sound good, so don't worry about it. Um, anyway, uh, there's uh, there's some things that I wanted to ask you about. Sure. Um There was uh, something very peculiar happened. I was interviewing somebody that is alone on a farm back east, and uh, he uh, made a family out of the six ghosts that were haunting him. And I began to... Uh, I didn't realize he was alone until I started hearing something. Like for every question that I asked, when he was answering, there was like a choir in the background, mm. like a Greek choir. And they would kind of answer with him. And I thought, okay, I'm having a strange anomaly uh, through the airways. And But no, it actually was recorded like that. And his sound people said that they heard people answering for him the ghost anyway he's still there with his ghost by himself i'm kind of worried about the dude
2: i've heard of things like that in fact i don't know that might not be a bad way to handle your problems i've known to people who've had a ghost and sometimes it's best to give them a name and just talk to them like a member of the family and maybe sometimes that seems to help and uh there's one particular ghost uh which they called Swede. He was supposedly a Swedish lumberjack who died in an accident years before. And they would actually hear stomping around in the attic, where supposedly the ghost was. And I was over at their house, and they'd I'd hear this like heavy footsteps in the attic. And uh, the whole family was downstairs in the living room, so it wasn't somebody up there doing it. And they'd yell, "Hey, Swede!" cut it out, and all the stomping stopped. So they said, oh, it's just our ghost. We just have to tell him to be quiet now and again. And um, it seemed to obey them. Uh, so sometimes that's, I think, uh, a healthy way to approach a situation of a haunting is to demystify it and make it part of your family.
1: Well, okay, so you think that's therapeutic to actually you don't have a ghost wife and ghost kids, mhm really yeah
2: yes you have another
1: okay. question oh uh, yes um what do you what would be some of the things and rules or whatever uh, how you would want to say it uh for and suggestions for other ghost hunters because are you a mentor for the new ghost hunters coming in?
2: Yes, very much. Uh, these are some of my rules for good ghost hunting. Uh, first, I have one commandment, and that is I do not badmouth other ghost hunters. Uh, there's too much of this paranormal world. You know? Somebody is accused of being a fake or a fraud. Oh, he's a fake, he's a fraud. No, I don't do that because there are many different roads to the truth. Now, some of them are very spiritualistic. Some are very scientific. It doesn't matter. There are many different roads. So first, be open-minded and accept the fact that anything might exist. We're dealing with an unknown subject. The second thing I say is whatever you do, share your data. Don't sit on it. There's a ghost hunter I know who takes all of her findings and puts it in boxes under her bed. She doesn't share it with anyone. When you ask, you know, what did you get here? What did you get there? She won't tell you. She says, oh, that's my stuff. It's my information. Maybe I want to write a book about it. I don't want to have you steal my stuff. Well, people steal my stuff all the time. But if people... If we are not to work together, we're not going to get anywhere as a science in ghost hunting. So I tell people, share your data, publish it. Now, the old saying, publish or perish, that's true. Also, if you go out on a ghost hunt, don't go by yourself. Never go by yourself. Uh, Always have a group with you and tell people where you're going because, you know, there's a lot of dangers out there. Uh, I myself have fallen through floors of old houses. I've uh, had encounters with uh, gangbangers or other non-ghosts who are just as dangerous as the worst phantom. So um, tell people where you're going. Bring along a cell phone so you can get help if you need it. Because sometimes these old haunted places are in... Uh, urban areas where it's really not safe, uh, where gangbangers are go to to use and sell drugs and things. Also, uh, be sure to get permission. I'm adamant on that. I do not believe in trespassing. Now, some of the best places in the world I've never gotten to, mainly because I don't believe in trespassing. But a lot of ghost hunters don't do it that way. They, any place they think there's a ghost, they'll just break in, jump the fence, whatever it takes, and they go do their thing. Uh, the only thing about that, okay, one haunted um, cemetery, very haunted. Guy got in there, broke in, took lots of pictures, got some really great stuff. As soon as he put it on the Internet, the cemetery again tried to sue him, saying, you didn't get permission, you can't post that. So if you don't have permission... You can't post what you find. Now, if you can't post your evidence, it was all for nothing. You might as well be just playing in the dark. And I've had another friend of mine who said he got all of these uh, uh, ghostly images on videotape at a haunted hospital in L.A. And he said, "Come on, down. I want you to." See. I said, "Do you have permission to tape there?" So, oh no, they don't care. And I said, "No, I won't go." I, I only go where I'm invited or where I have permission. And of course he went down there, he was taping, and uh, the security came and threw him out. I've done other ghost hunters who had dogs sick on them for trespassing. I don't want to do that. So unless you get permission, I do not come. And I say it's good for any ghost hunter to keep that policy. Don't, and by the way, when you go out to a site, do not vandalize. Do not matter of fact, if nothing else, make it better than it was before you came. In fact, I believe ghost hunters should be a bit like a ghost. When you come in, uh, it should be like nobody has ever been there. A ghost has been there. But I know a lot of young kids, and they watch this ghost-baiting junk of all the TV shows where the... The ghost hunter yells at the ghost. I'm not afraid of you, and all that junk. Or sometimes they'll go to a cemetery, and when no ghost shows up, they kick over the tombstones or vandalize them or steal stuff or smash things. I've seen one ghost hunting group actually went to a historic cemetery. There was a bench. So when the ghost didn't show up, they destroyed the bench. Other places which used to have ghost hunters come, they actually have had so many problems with these immature so-called ghost hunters coming and making a nuisance of themselves, smashing things, that now they let no ghost hunters come to their site. So a good site Mm -hmm. useful for investigation is now closed to us, and this is happening more and more throughout the country sad to say or what's almost as bad is now these people who own the sites see them as a cash cow so they charge higher and higher money like, oh yeah you can investigate It'd be 500 you know, i want it in cash right now and so a lot of these places have gotten so high priced unless you're a tv show with a big budget there's no way you could go there so that's something so i say don't trespass don't vandalize. Keep the places clean. I also would say don't try ghost-baiting. Now, it looks good on TV. It's a great theatrical accomplishment. You make the scene, you look like Mr. Brave Man challenging the awful ghost to attack you. But in reality, I've seen such tactics just backfire. And whatever you have happens just not worth it so don't yell at ghosts remember ghosts are just people who happen to be to it with this uh, kind of adversarial position so also another thing I advise people take good notes yeah, I mean just, just don't go there run around and um, maybe make a tape recording try for EVP and then throw the tape in a drawer somewhere that's not ghost hunting Ghost hunting is taking copious notes, uh, going there, transcribing your EVP or your tapes that you've made. You want to save and collect data. That's what it's all about. And you'll find that if you do that and you look at your material, you'll find you see more stuff than you did when you were just there walking around. I also tell people take lots of pictures. Well, digital cameras are cheap. You don't have to develop the stuff that doesn't turn out. So take your three or four hundred pictures and run a lot of tape on your machine to see what you get. The sheer volume will uh, give you some evidence of ghostly happenings. So by all means, take lots of pictures. Keep accurate notes. Everything. If you feel a cold spot, write it down. Write down the time. Write down what it felt like. Write down what you feel as you're walking around the place. So there's a lot of things out there I urge people to do. But just remember, we're in a new science. This is a new study. People have asked me what this ghost hunting thing is like. It's a bit like, well, the study of electricity was in the days of Benjamin Franklin. Now sometimes I feel like I'm out there like Ben with my kite and my key in the storm. yeah, I might get hit by lightning and I may be knocked on my can, but I've got to find something. And I think in the future, there's a great deal that's going to come uh, revealed by the ghost hunting of the future. We've come a long way in the last hundred years. We've got a long ways
1: to go. We really do. We have a couple of uh, questions for you. How do you mm-hmm. feel about the uh, the Hollywood portrayal of ghost hunting? And then uh, there's a discussion about the movie The Conjuring. Can we have your opinions on this?
2: No, I've not seen. What is it, The Conjuring? Yes. No, I have not seen that movie. Oddly enough, I don't see a lot of these ghost movies, mainly because I get so mad watching them. They make such yeah. a mockery of ghost hunting. Um, yes, I think Hollywood, they're going for making money. They're making entertainment. So things like Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters isn't anything like what I do. There are other movies that harp on the same themes, like Poltergeist, for instance, which, by the way, that isn't a poltergeist, it's a, not even the right term, it's a haunting ghost different wrong classification. So a lot of these Hollywood things, they don't do a lot of work. And when I worked in Hollywood, the uh, director said, well, this is what we want to talk about, yet it's what they want that gets on the air and not the truth. Uh, The truth is real ghost hunting is, well, sort of boring in a lot of ways. And as I say, it's uh, hours of work and a little bit of sheer terror. That's kind of how it is. But um, I haven't seen The Conjuring, so I don't know exactly what that movie is about. But most of the movies dealing with ghosts, I haven't thought much about. There are a few movies I like that I would recommend. Every ghost hunter, see them. They're all very old, so you won't have any problem renting them.
0: <laughs>
2: One is <laughs> called uh, The Uninvited. This was made oh, in I 1944 that. with Ray Moland. Do see that. The special effects are cheesy. Oh, by the way, they were based upon a real ghost sighting at the Whaley House in San Diego. Uh, this was back in 1944. It's a great old yarn, and it shows that ghost hunting is a lot like being a detective where you have to unravel the story behind it, which they do very effectively. Another one was called um, uh, The Changeling. And that's not the the recent one, but the one done with. Uh, uh, um, uh, well, I hate, hate is that, that. I blanked is out that the one after guy the who played Patton. Uh, uh, Scott, I believe his name was, but he did the Changeling, and that is very accurate as well. I love the seance they do in the Changeling. But then, if you look at the title, Raymond Bayliss was the. Um, a technical director, which is kind of a pretty good example. Then there are other movies, which I don't think too much of. The Entity has some good elements, but the last reel is just pure Hollywood, just just junk, just throw the last reel out. Uh, there's a lot of other ghost story kinds of uh, movies that might be entertaining, but they just don't have legitimacy to them. Uh, so... Um, there's so much out there, which is good. I really hate it when they have to resort to fabrication, when they really don't need it. There's certainly good, real stories that have yet to be told.
1: Yes, the, the, it's so interesting. I hope in that far answers reason. your question. Yes, it really does. And it's uh, it's it's quite amazing. uh yeah, um, we can hear uh, you, so yeah, don't worry. I can't hear
2: you. I have bad connection on my end of things.
1: Yeah, because we can hear you fine, so don't worry. Uh, let me try to get another question to you. Well, um, I can't hear
2: you, you, please uh, speak up on your side, uh, adjust the volume.
1: Yeah, I'm just almost yelling. Can you hear me at all?
2: Are there any movies you like or see as accurate?
1: Well, um... No, nah, I'm kind of a real, uh The one I like is that one that uh, I think it was The Uninvited, the one you said. I think it's not one of a my lot favorite
2: of them movies. There. I was asked to review by a local newspaper, The Blair Witch Project. And I said, this they is get- exactly what you shouldn't do if it goes on. And, of course, uh, unfortunately, a lot of these movies are more what you can should not do as opposed to what you should do.
1: Right. And, uh, okay, so can you tell us about your books?
2: Oh, I I am a writer. I've been writing since I was, uh, what, uh, 13. I wrote my first novel when I was 13 years old. It's bloody awful. The only thing that's good about it is I actually finished it. But I've always been uh, a fan of writing, and I've written lots and lots of things down in the past. I didn't write a ghost book uh till I had been doing this for a number of years I'm in Monterey and I saw a book about ghosts, you know, ghosts of Monterey or something like historical ghosts of Monterey. And I read it and it was so bloody awful and redundant and I figured, okay, I can write a better book than this. And so I did. I sat down and wrote one and that was published as Ghosts of the Haunted Coast. And it's now out of print, but there's talk of reprinting it again. It's gone through five printings over the years. And that was the first book I had uh, printed nationally. And then I went from that on to another book, which is called the uh, local publishing house. It was called The Haunted Southland, which is about Southern California and her ghost from Oh, I don't know, Monterey up to down to San Diego. and some of the many investigations I had done. Then I wrote a bigger book called "The Ghost Stalker's Guide to Haunted California," and that was my opus. It took me uh, two years to write it, and unfortunately, it did not do very well because, again, marketing and all that, rather than the material. So, I think it's, it's still a good book. It's just nobody is was. Uh, Uh, Knew it was out there. I've written one called The Ghosts of Haunted Hollywood. And The Ghosts of Hollywood. uh, Was it The Fabulous uh, Phantoms of Film dim? This is a funny word I made up for this uh, book. Yeah, I was encouraged to write this by a lady. And I went down and I said, okay, if I'm going to write about Hollywood, I am going to do something different. I don't want to do the standard Hollywood clap trap. So fortunately for me, my family had come out in 1924 to make movies. They were silent films, you know. They worked at MGM and all these other places. And so I got a lot of my earliest ghost stories from around the Thanksgiving table. People saying, "Yeah, so on stage 28. We had this happen and all that. Uh, And so I had a a good in, and some of my family still works for studios like Universal and uh, Columbia and stuff like that. And so I was able to get access to a number of these places and interview people who had ghostly encounters. So I put that together into my Hollywood book, which I kind of like. I think I I had kind of a, a good take on that one. Then I wrote one, again, The Haunted... Uh, California Missions, the Ghosts of the count of California Missions. Each and every one of our 21 missions uh, has ghosts. Hard to imagine, but true. And for good reason. Uh, many, many people at the California Missions died. In fact, the average life of an Indian convert was only seven years. That meant seven, seven years crazy. after you joined the mission, you were probably dead. And of course, there's many different ghosts there. Remarkably, the phantoms seen are not of native people. No, there are of padres, are the monks themselves that are seen. Just like the one I saw on my first encounter back in 1978. A lot of different ghosts. Why are they there? Is it guilt that they realize that they caused the deaths of all these people? or who knows what reasons. But uh, Every California Mission is Haunted, and that book uh, details the missions, and it also travels up El Camino Real and examines some of the adobe buildings in between the missions that are rumored to have ghosts. So I had a lot of fun putting that project together, which is a blending of both history as well as ghost lore, I've written a number of other books that uh locally inspired, The Ghosts of Ventura, The Ghost of Ojai, and um, I, I've also written some historical books, some fiction. Um, unfortunately, though, I wrote a murder mystery. I, I took it to the publisher. I said, here's my murder mystery novel. And he looked at me and said, are there any ghosts in it? And I said, oh. no, it's a murder mystery. So I don't want to, I want ghosts, so kind of typecast. But I did publish a yeah, and a lot of my books can't be found on Kindle. Now, some were written in the classic steampunk style of Jules Verne, and I have uh, a ghost story, too, called Fade to Fear, which is about a haunted Hollywood movie director's house. And it's actually based on real cases my wife and I investigated in Bel Air and Hollywood. And so all the things that happened, of course, it's fiction, but they were based on things that really occurred in real haunted houses. And the people in the novel, which is uh, in Silent Hollywood, are based on stories I got from my family as well as some research. So I had a great deal of fun writing kind of like my Halloween uh, horror story, and it's all fiction, of course, but again, there's some reality to it. Uh, So I had fun with Fade to Fear, but it can only be purchased on the uh, Kindle at this point. I didn't have enough money nor a publisher interested in uh, making it into a hardback. Though I'm told if enough people Mm -hmm. buy it, they will actually uh, publish it in a hardback copy if there's enough interest so I wrote that, yeah. I've written a number of other ones, a variety of subjects, science fiction and even some biography I wrote a biography of mystery writer Earl Stanley Gardner, best known for creating Perry Mason I actually met Earl Stanley Gardner before his timely, untimely death and shook his hand so it was kind of a Uh, fitting thing. I collected all these stories about him in my hometown of Ventura, California. And I call it Earl Stanley Gardner's Ventura, the birthplace of Perry Mason. And it took me two and a half years of research and I have made a vow. I shall never, ever, ever write another biography. (laughs) Every time I was Meet another family member, I'd have to change it and rewrite I rewrite that puppy nine times, and wow, by the end, I was just so sick of it. how <laughs> to get rid of it, but it got published it was well received, especially in Europe and Canada.
1: It sounds wonderful Those like what uh, books. what other, book, what okay, other books you? books I can't
2: you, hear you I have what other books voice. would you I can't recommend hear you clearly
1: okay just it's okay, just keep going. What other what books would you recommend?
2: I, I can't hear it.
1: What other books would you recommend? That a bad
2: connection.
1: Well, you're I coming in loud anymore. and clear.
2: You, you hear me, but I can't hear you.
1: Yeah, you're you're being recorded, and it no, sounds I really can't. good.
2: I still can't hear you. I'm sorry. Can't answer your okay. questions if I can't, can't hear them at my end.
1: Oh darn. Okay. Uh, uh is it sounding muffled? Can you or adjust your audio please? I there is nothing wrong with it, I've checked with everybody what is listening. That again? I have checked with my listeners and they can hear you loud and clear. Um, it could be please uh, repeat uh, the, the phone. question.
2: I can't hear it. I, I'd like to you know, continue the interview, but if I can't hear you,
1: I can't hear you. Yes.
2: Do you what want to that? try
1: calling you want to try can calling hear back? I a
2: very, very faint voice. I can't hear you. You were okay before.
1: Okay. Uh, can you recommend Please talk any... talk to your book? audio
2: people. Uh, I want to uh, do a good job on the interview, but if I can't hear you, I can't hear you.
1: Do you want to hang up and call back in? What is this? Do you want to try calling back in to wrap up the end of the well, show?
2: If I can't hear you, I'm going to hang up because... I can't oh, hear your no, questions. No. I don't even know if we're on the air at this point in time.
1: Yes, you are. You're still there. Maybe, can you hang up and call back? Well, right back now
2: again? I have a Skype account, so if anybody wants to an interview maybe that might be a better way to do it over the computer with the Skype system. Uh, but whatever it is, we're 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 not, I'm not getting your questions. I'm sure there are lots of people out there who want to ask me about different ghosts. Uh, I can almost tell what a lot of people are wanting to ask. Uh, what is your yeah. most scariest ghost? That's one people have asked me for many years. And uh, I had that one on the bridge up near Ojai where all my people ran away <laughs> and this strange white silvery cloud was coming right at me. That caused me to run. Um, Again, I feel a chill coming down my spine when I see a real ghost. And at that point, the chill was quite pronounced. Nowadays, I don't run though. Now I'm more curious of anything else. And when I do see a ghost, I feel like it's a privilege that I'm going to get to interact with some Entity, something not of this world. And so I continue to investigate. I continue to examine the paranormal. And maybe I'll get a few answers. I've not gotten a lot. I wish I knew what ghosts really were, but I don't. I can just make a guess or a speculation. But I have a feeling someday I'll become a ghost myself. Then maybe I will have all the answers. (laughs) At least I'm trying. That's what it's all about. Well, I still haven't heard anybody on your end. Any other questions that are out there?
1: Oh,
0: yeah. Well, um, as I don't know if I'm
2: on the air or not, I'm going to hang up at this point in time. And uh, I want to thank you for having me on, if I'm even on right now. But uh, thanks for having me on keep hunting those ghosts. There's certainly a lot of material out there and we need to have some answers to this, the greatest riddle of them all. What are ghosts? Why are they here? Does this provide proof that the grave isn't the end? Thank you.
1: Thank you. Well, he, uh, obviously had trouble hearing and, uh, we could hear him fine. And, uh, uh, what an interesting man, and he had a lot to say about ghosts and ghost huntings and everything else. So the way to get it, his name is Richard Sennett, S-E-N-A-T-E. And uh, you may have uh, known him under Leonard Sennett, so he has a pen name. And also, um, he has uh, so many books. I have found some on Kindle. And uh, anyway, he's one of the best uh, ghost hunters that I know very kind man. Uh, he's also an archaeologist, so he's very interested in all things old and antiques and things like that. And he has a very uh, a very interesting um, uh, archaeological knowledge that I wanted to ask him about. But um, he said at the end, well, I guess, you know, someday he'll be a ghost too, and then we'll all know the answers to everything. So what I'm going to read you at this end, because I just wanted to give you some interesting things. That uh, I found about his opinion, and uh, he's. This is his list of the most haunted cities in America, and this is in order. Number one is Washington D.C., and number two is New Orleans. Uh, three is Hollywood, California. Four is Boston, Mass. My birthplace. Five is San Francisco, and number six, Virginia City, Nevada. Number seven, New York City, New York. Uh, number eight is Tombstone, Arizona. And then number nine is Gettysburg, PA, and then Chicago, Illinois, followed by San Antonio, Texas, and then Charleston, South Carolina, and then Williamsburg, uh, Virginia. And he says, really, Washington and New Orleans is a coin toss, so both are ghosts. And uh, sometimes, uh, you know, people believe that ghosts are infestation, and sometimes they're. I think their ghosts are many things. I think they're a thought transference. I think uh I have an odd feeling about this that um <laughs> I have some funny people and <laughs> you're not gonna find a ghost on Craigslist, okay? Or maybe you will, I don't know. But anyway, uh if uh I find that keeping it up in mind and uh, as we on and uh technology catches up to the ghost hunting thing find out there's many reasons to go
0: there.
1: I think some are insuscitation of uh, they never were demons and they're demons or whatever negative powers that you want to say. I think it's also the energy of people that have lived in this one spot so long and maybe they were ill or depressed or whatever, and they continue just working and, and living in the abode that they live in. And I think uh, all their... Uh, things are ghosts of people that don't even know they're dead and they just haven't, they just need the information on how to go to the light and stuff like that. I do have uh, two people in chat that are, well, everybody in chat is kind of amazing. And I think Anne should write her own book, but I do have Ed uh, and Marsha Becker. And they, uh, Ed has written a several books, and the one that, um, that first started out for me that I became aware of what's going on was True Haunting and they were uh tenants in a uh real haunted house and actually on uh, I'm trying to think of what channel it was on but you can find it the recording right now i think it's on uh netflix or or something it's called the tenants so you can get their story and uh and uh, uh anyway i'm uh, getting a little forgetful, having been kind of ill. So anyway, um, so we're at the end of the show in the last five minutes. So um, we're going to have another awesome guest next week, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, I look forward to seeing everybody back and there. And uh, it's going to be amazing. I want to thank everybody that called in and my listeners that were on the line. And uh, some people like listening through the phone, listening through the computer some people in chat, and it's just been an amazing night for everyone. And uh, uh, God bless you all, and uh, f- a follow link to contact me, and if you have a message, you can just go ahead and leave it uh, on my Facebook account, or you can write me at Sharma McCain, PO Box 980 Hermosa Beach, California, 90254, and leave me a message. I thank everybody that was in chat, those who... Uh, were are uh, actually listening to their phone on the phone lines and also our special guest tonight who uh, had a lot of things, a lot of things more I wanted to uh, ask him, but unfortunately uh, we had, uh, we have it, you know, his, uh, he couldn't hear very well, so he'll be able to listen to it in archives and uh, what a nice guest and a nice man and I, 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 God bless him to their 30th anniversary, quite a couple. And the paranormal sacred is a place where the unheard may be heard. And so if you'd like to be a guest on the show, just let me know. Message me on Facebook, and I want to God bless everybody. May your best dreams come true, and true love live in your heart.
0: Good night, everybody. Night, night. Love you. God bless.